listening to First Church Charlotte. Good evening, everyone. My name is Nathan. It is my privilege to be the lead pastor at First Church Charlotte. Uh, we are located on the east side of the city. Uh, if you are not attending a church, we would love to host you. Tonight, we're doing our Wednesday night Bible study, and I want to ask a question that hopefully will provoke um, a learning experience for all of us as we take a question that is common to all of us, and then we go to the scripture to try to gain some spiritual stability and understanding. This is the question. Are you confused by the anointing? You will hear religious people talk about this a lot. I want to be anointed. That was anointed. That sermon was anointed. That Bible study was anointed. We all of us want to be anointed. In other words, we want to have the power of God on us, in us, and through us. We want our actions and efforts not simply to reflect our wishes and wants, but we want our, our heart, our thoughts, our choices, our lives, our decisions uh, to have the mark of God upon them. We want to live lives that looking back, we can see the anointing of God on, on our lives. So what does it mean uh, to be anointed? And is it possible for us to be confused about what anointing really does in our life and what it means to actually be anointed? Uh, I would say absolutely, it is possible for us to be confused about what it means to be anointed, uh, to have the anointing upon us. And the reason why I say that is because we see it in the scripture. Uh, one of the largest lessons of uh, the Bible is how the people of the covenant uh, were unable to see the work of God. They were unable to see the evidence of God, the anointing upon the anointed one. And so they're blind to the gift of Jesus. They're blind to the ministry of Jesus. They're blind to the power of Jesus uh, because what they were looking for was not by their estimation, was not shown in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were looking for an anointed one. They just did not see the marks of divinity in the life of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, I arrived at this question by trying to answer another question. And the question was this, what does it mean to be a part of the army of God? And so it was in the study of that question, what does it mean to be a part of the army of God, that I, I, I stumbled across the more insightful question, which is, uh, am I confused about the anointing? Am I am I confused about what it means to be uh, anointed? So let me try to bring you along the journey of devotion and study that I have been on uh, recently. Uh, answering this question, what does it mean to be a part of the army of God? Um, the reason why that's a difficult thing is because that that language, the armies of God, is oftentimes used in prophetic imagery. Prophetic imagery where the scripture gives us some insight to things that will be as a sign to us that God is in control and to future generations that the hand of God was at work in all of the mysteries of humanity and all of the back and forth and this and that of history. Uh, prophecy serves that role. But
But what prophecy does not do is give us certainty. It gives us the understanding of God's mysterious hand at work, but it does not give us certainty. Um, it gives us enough to know that the hand of God is at work, but not enough to formulize it or turn it into a self-exalting power move on, on our our part. Let me give you some examples of how the armies of God are used in prophetic imagery. I'm reading from Jude chapter number one. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You get this image of God returning with this army of the heavenly host, both angelic and redeemed, uh, both angel and um, humans, uh, mortals translated into immortality. And this image of the prophetic army of God descending in power and glory and majesty, uh, this is not helpful when we try to understand the here and now of what it means to be in the army of God. You see, that image is prophetic and it speaks of uh, it speaks of a realm and a world where we will be, but we are not now. I think the Apostle Paul uh, deals with this in the most decisive way possible. When he, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, he makes this point, and I'm gonna read from the Amplified Bible, which gives you uh, deeper understanding into the language and the translator's choice of words. So uh, here we go, chapter number 13, verse number 12. For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly, as though it's a blurred reflection, a riddle, or even an enigma. But then, Paul says, when the time of perfection comes and we see that spiritual reality of that time to come, uh, then we will see face to face. Now, the apostle says, I know in part, the translator adds, just in fragments, just in fragments. But, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. That is the key understanding for me as a Bible student to all of the mystery of the prophetic. It is understanding in fragments. It's not that we have nothing. It's that we have fragments. There is a limited ability for us to see in the whole because we see in pieces, in, in fragments. Um, and so prophecy often uses images of the armies of God. And we think of them almost in a type of dramatic Hollywood-esque thing where there's smoke and there's fire and the soundtrack is playing dramatic you know, music and the timpanis are booming and the strings are soaring and the tubas are grunting. <laughs> you get the idea. Um, that does not help me very much in the here and now of my spiritual calling. Um, it does give me fragments of the glory of God and the ultimate victory to come, but it's not helpful in the here and now. It's fragments. 
So this is how the whole house of Israel, the people of the covenant, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they miss Jesus because they had this type of language and they read it and put in it their own desire and their own beliefs and their own interpretation. And as a result, the term anointed came to mean the militant leader. Uh, let me let me uh, try to show this to you. There are there are thirty times in the Hebrew Bible where the word anointed is used, and essentially all of them refer to the role of a king leading literal armies like King David or elevating the kingdom like King Solomon. And so the house of Israel, the people of the covenant, what it meant to be anointed for them, and this is how they missed Jesus, what it meant to be anointed to them was to be a king like David, a king like Solomon, and to lead armies to destroy destroy the enemy. Let me, let me read you some fragments of <clears throat> Jewish scripture and Jewish commentary from before the time of Christ. And concerning that which he said to David, this is quoting 2 Samuel chapter number seven, verse number 11. <clears throat> and concerning that which he said to David, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Now the Jewish rabbi is going to add thoughts. This means that he will give them rest from all the sons of Belial who will seek to cause them to stumble that they may destroy them and swallow them up just as they came with the plot of Belial to cause the sons of light to stumble and to devise wicked plots against them, delivering his soul to Belial in their wicked strain. They see the anointed one as the one who destroys their enemies, the sons of Belial. Let me read another passage. This is uh, again from uh, Hebrew uh, scripture and the fragments of their, the, the, the commentary and uh, the, the like that they would reverence. How beautiful is King Messiah, who is to arise from among those of the house of Judah. <clears throat> He girds his loins and goes forth to battle against those that hate him. And he kills kings with rulers and makes the mountains red from the blood of their slain and makes the valleys white from the fat of their warriors. His garments are rolled in blood. He is like a presser of grapes. <clears throat> this is how they see him. And so when Jesus comes meek and lowly, they say, that can't be the anointed one. That can't be the anointed one. That can't be the anointed one. So if we're confused about what it means to be anointed, we can be just like the house of Israel, people of the covenant, who we think that the anointed one leads an army to destroy our enemies and elevate our status in the world and miss the fact that this lowly lamb is actually the lion of the tribe of Judah. He just will not use force to reach the souls of the beings, the people that he has created. Nothing forced upon people stays in the soul. It festers in the soul. It does not stay in the soul. Anything forced on anyone does not impact who they are and who they are trying to be. 
it must be chosen or it is nothing but a type of a better oppression. Uh, do you see? He is the lion, but he looks like a lamb. And because we only appreciate the role of the lion, we cannot see how the lamb could be anointed. Uh, what does it mean for us to be anointed? What does it mean for us to be a part of the army of God? Well, let's be clear about what armies uh, do. You're thinking, because it's what I thought, and I think it's the most natural response, well, armies fight. Armies are made for battle. Think about it. That's not actually what armies do. There are, uh, what, over a couple hundred armies in the world today? Only a handful of them are fighting, but all of them are preparing. Sometimes they fight, but what they do every day is prepare. And so they are not always at war. They're not always in conflict, but they're always preparing for that. And so the first duty of an army is to make soldiers. All armies start with training. All armies start with boot camp. Uh, the quality of the army is not determined by how tough the soldiers talk. The quality of the army is determined by how well the soldiers are prepared. There is no tough, there is only train. <laughs> um, so this is helpful when we try to understand what it means <clears throat> for us to be in the army of God. The first duty of the army is to make soldiers. Armies often stop fighting, but they never stop training. An army takes many different people from different backgrounds and trains them, prepares them, how? Trains them to move together with organized intent and purpose. That is what an army does. An army takes individuals, many different backgrounds, and trains them to move together with organized intent and purpose. That's why armies are taught to march. There was a day when marching was part of warfare, back when uh, the, the Greek culture invented the phalanx and they fought in shield walls and they marched almost like a modern battle tank and they broke through the lines because they were marching in order. That was when marching started, but they realized that it was a powerful, profound way to teach people how to move together. And that is what armies do when they train people to march. For hundreds of years, marching has not been a part of fighting, but it is a way to teach, coordinating, moving together, obeying commands, and massing their force. That is the lesson of marching. The effort, this is so important, the effort of the individual warrior is lost but the coordinating efforts of the soldier and soldiers is what changes the world. Nowadays, particularly in uh, the advertising that, that the military does, you'll often hear soldiers referred, referred to as, as warriors. Um, that is primarily a marketing gimmick. Um, warriors lose battles. Uh, they soldiers win battles because it's about organizing yourself, moving together, massing your force against the vulnerable part of the enemy's array. And so uh, history isn't made by warriors. They often die alone, surrounded by lesser men. But it is made by soldiers who can organize, move together with enough force and enough, uh, how shall we say, momentum that they change 
history. Uh, this is, for many years, I was, <clears throat> uh, uh, I was interested in military history. And you could look at this from the perspective of military history. Um, but the point I want to make here today is just how an individual soldier is soon lost. They're cut down by lesser, more organized enemies. But when you organize an army, and it's not a bunch of individuals, you organize an army, now you can win kingdoms. We are all of us in a volunteer army of the Lord. There's no conscription in this army. You have to choose it. We submit ourselves individually to God's purpose, not our purpose, to God's purpose. And that is why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But individually, we are lost to history. This is why we have the local church. That is, This is why the local church is God's plan to make a difference in the community in which we are placed. It is the local church where we join our efforts with other believers. And that is why we join our, 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 our hearts, our praise, our worship, all of that with others. Because now we have enough momentum to move the needle as it were. People notice the individual is lost <clears throat> to the pages of history, but groups of people organized in purpose, organized in uh, intent, moving together, draw the focus of the world and ultimately change the world. It can be difficult, however, to join with other Christians. In fact, I would say the more arrogant and vain we are, the less likely we will commit to a local church. We will find flaws with it. We won't like the way they do things. <clears throat> we will try to... Uh, let our critical spirit control our potential. Uh, and the more arrogant and vain we are, uh, the less likely we will commit to a local church. The more selfish and petty we are, the less likely we will commit to a local church. The more judgmental and dismissive we are, the less likely we will commit to a local church, or we will be so exclusive in our church that we run into the same problem, that there's just not enough people with organized intent and purpose to move a society that we are placed in to influence. Just as a soldier has duties, we all of us have duties, and this is what it means to have the evidence of God, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life, the fulfillment of these duties. This is what it means to be a Christian. I think the best passage on this is given to us again by Paul, Colossians 3. I'm gonna start at verse number one. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. What are we talking about? The duties of the soldier. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, 
in dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Sounds like the work of an army, right? You take people from all these different backgrounds, you bring them together, you teach them how to move together, to focus on the important things, organized intent, unified purpose. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. How? What is the image of clothing? Um, Paul, Paul doesn't talk much about how uh, we should dress or how we should clothe ourselves, except to use it as a spiritual example. Of course, there's moderation and modesty. Those are the basics of having testimony in any society. Uh, but he uses clothing very powerfully to teach us a spiritual truth. Clothing is how people know you. It is the part of you that both reveals and covers. It is how you make yourself known uh, to the world. This is how we should be known to, uh, to the world. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is how we should be known. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace which comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, making soldiers, we all came from different places that we come together as one. You are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about God and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a, represent, a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We who were many, we who had many interests and hobbies, come from different backgrounds, different experiences. We are brought into a spiritual unity. We are organized, not about ev around everything, but about the main things. I read uh, 17 verses there, but I'm now going to try to sum it up into a four-step march. I'm going to use, yes, that marching metaphor. Four steps to this march. And I'm going to use this passage and I'm gonna make give you a four-step march so as an army, we can march together. Number one, focus upon God. Go back and read that passage that I read. Put mark it in your Bible. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. Number one, focus on God. Since you have this new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this world. You've died to this life. So the first step of our march is focusing upon God. The second step of the march is turn away from sins of the flesh and the vanity of this life. Put to death the sinful earthly things that lurk within you. Have nothing to do with immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. Don't worship the things of this world. What was the first step of the march? Focus on God. What was the second step of the march? Turn away from the sins of the flesh and uh, the vanity of this life. 
Number three, humble yourself toward one another and serve. Humble yourself toward one another and serve. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive the people who've done you wrong. That's the third step of the march. And finally, live a life of testimony and worship. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sings hymns, hymns. I put together psalms and hymns. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. This is living a life of testimony and worship. So number one, focus on God. Number two, turn away from the sins of the flesh. Turn away from the vanities of this life. Number three, humble yourself one to another and serve one another. And finally, live a life of testimony and worship. This is the march of the Christian soldier. It's four-step march, and this is it. So to go back to my original question that hopefully piqued your interest, do I know what it means to be anointed? I want you to know this. Most of your life is going to feel like the march, the march of a Christian soldier. Sometimes you're going to be fighting principalities, powers. Sometimes you're going to be primarily serving. Sometimes you're going to be primarily blessing. Sometimes you're going to be interceding not just against spiritual things, but for people you're standing in the stead for them. But the daily march will not feel like that kind of a dramatic thing. In fact, if it's too dramatic, it might be a risk within yourself that you only feel anointed if you have enough drama going on. Um, I want you to know what the march of the Christian feels like. This is what real world anointing in the here and now, every day, feels like. It's just like this. I'm focusing on God. I'm focusing on God. I'm turning away from the desires of the flesh and the vanities of the flesh. I'm humbling myself and serving others. I'm living a life of testimony and worship. That's enough. We love you. Lord, I pray you would be with your people. I pray your favor upon your people. I pray your protection upon your people. We want to please you with our lives. We don't want to waste our efforts through isolation. We don't want to hide our personal vanities and desires under a veneer of religion that ultimately is recursive and serves us rather than employing us to serve your kingdom. We pray, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let that happen through our lives. Let my choices manifest that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.